Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keen. We're two hours away from the opening of trading this week, and it looks like we're going to open lower, but uh, we shall see. A couple of stories breaking in the last hour. Apollo Global Management agreeing to buy grocery chain Fresh Market. They're going to pay twenty eight fifty a share in cash. It's about $1.4 billion. And Starwood Hotels says it got a $76 a share cash non-binding proposal from a consortium of companies. This came in March 10th last week. That would be a uh, 7.9% premium. Now, they had agreed to sell to Marriott. Marriott is giving them a waiver to uh, discuss this latest offer. It expires at midnight on March 17th. And speaking of hotels over the weekend, Blackstone agreeing to sell strategic hotels and resorts to China's Anbang Insurance Company. That's a $6.5 billion deal. They only bought the company about three months ago. We'll continue to follow those stories as the morning goes on. But in the meantime, we're going to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Thank you very much, Mike. Turkey's Air Force conducted airstrikes on Kurdish rebels in northern Iraq today. Hours after a suicide car bombing in Ankara killed 37 people and heightened tensions with the Kurdish rebels. Yesterday's car bombing in Ankara took place just 200 yards from the office of Turkey's prime minister. An Amtrak train with about 128 passengers and 14 crew members derailed in southwest Kansas, sending about 20 people to the hospital. Amtrak says the train was traveling from Los Angeles to Chicago early this morning when it derailed about 20 miles west of Dodge City. Republican presidential candidates are readying their closing arguments in Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, North Carolina, and Florida with a trove of delegates at stake. The number of delegates up for grabs tomorrow account for more than a quarter of the 1,237 necessary for nomination. A top performance by frontrunner Donald Trump can make him nearly unbeatable for the nomination. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with Rob Bushkin. Hey, good morning, Mike. For basketball fans, it's the best time of the year. It's March Madness. Selection Sunday was kind to a half dozen New York and New Jersey teams. Seton Hall, the upstart winner of the Big East Tournament, draws perennial power Gonzaga in a 6-versus-11 matchup. Fairleigh Dickinson rounds out the New Jersey list, while Syracuse, Iona, Buffalo, and Stony Brook represent New York. The tournament's officially underway Tuesday, but starts in full on Thursday as the road to Houston goes through Brooklyn, where Barclays Center will host opening round games next weekend. The Knicks, they take advantage of a slow start in L.A. by the Lakers to win that game 90-87. to Retiring Lakers legend Kobe Bryant says he'll miss all that is Madison Square Garden. You know, I always love going to the Garden, man. It's just There's just so much history there. And I, you know, I'm going to miss that. I also miss the fact that you know, I have some regret. Not that I didn't get a chance to properly say goodbye um, to them. So, um, but I'm certainly going to miss going to the Garden and playing there. Carmelo had 26 in the win. The Nets lose to the Bucks, and on the ice, the Rangers, they fall to Pittsburgh 5-3. Yankees shut out the Mets. They shut out Miami, and that's your NBC Bloomberg Sports Update. Mike? Thank you, Rob. Got your brackets filled out. Um, Going to be a very interesting 
tournament this year. A lot of people say no real favorite could go anyway. So uh, maybe we'll do a surveillance bracket ahead here on Bloomberg Radio. Welcome back to Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keen. As I mentioned, it looks like a down open in the United States. S&P futures off by four points, two-tenths of a percent. Dow futures are down 16. That's a tenth of a percent. Europe's still higher. The stock 603 points up three-quarters of a percent. The Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon. Michael, thank you. And at 7.35 on Wall Street, here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Airbnb will soon give people renting out rooms and homes through its website a better way to find out how the strangers showing up at their properties are behaving. A new tool will let neighbors weigh in with feedback on Airbnb properties nearby, according to the head of Airbnb in Japan. The feature will be rolled out globally in a few weeks. Venture capital firms bet tens of millions of dollars at startups offering affordable valet parking to harried Urbanites would flourish in the on-demand economy pioneered by Uber. Parking valets working for companies with names like Lux, Zerks, and Valet Anywhere became a common sight in the congested precincts of San Francisco, Chicago, and New York, among other places. Turns out it's hard to make money parking cars. Two startups quickly imploded, three more shifting away from the on-demand model and selling their services to companies instead of consumers. And Sean Parker, who co-founded the music-sharing service Napster and returned to online music a decade later as a backer of Spotify, is defending Music streaming in an interview with Bloomberg Television's Emily Chang, he suggested artists such as Taylor Swift may not have a problem with streaming as much as their managers, who he says have a job of squeezing every last dime out. I've talked to a lot of other artists who, whose managers are on a vendetta who love streaming and they just want their music to be heard as widely as possible. Sean Parker speaking to Bloomberg Television. And that is this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Thank you very much. Um, as long as we're talking about stuff like that, we could note that you can go to iTunes and you can download Bloomberg Surveillance Podcasts, um, and that is the best way to share files. Well, the International Energy Agency said last week that it looked like we have a floor in for oil prices, and oil prices were elevated for the past week, at least Till today, now uh, West Texas is off by 2.4%. Brent is down below $40 again, down 1.9% on the day. Paul Sankey is a senior oil and gas analyst at Wolf Research. He joins us now. And, uh, Paul, everything seemed to be moving in the direction the IEA was suggesting till Iran came out and said, we're going to ramp up our oil sales over the weekend. Um, is this a, a one-day story as people digest what they say? Or are they actually going to be able to produce more and we go back to where we were of uh, supply growing faster than demand? Well, we don't really know, to be honest with you. Good morning, by the way. Um, it's tough with Iran. The, the level of uh, true understanding of what's going on there is very limited. I've been looking at it in some detail. And actually, the National Oil Company's website was last updated in 1996. Uh, so uh, even speaking to major companies such as Exxon and asking them about what they thought Iran could export, there's a very high degree of uncertainty. The main problem here is uh, is that we're in a U.S. turnaround season and we can't take any more barrels. So this idea that Iran is sending more oil into the market 
uh, is enough just to push us down again today, as you said. Well, let's push us down to, um, in terms of Brent, uh, 3963. Is it going to push us further than that? Are we going to go back and threaten the lows that we had seen, or is this about where we go while people try to figure out what happens next? I think we always thought that first half of this year would be the low. Uh, the problem is we're in March, so you know I think there's still risk in April, um, possibly less in May as driving season starts. Uh, we're not convinced that we've for sure seen the bottom, but you know we've rallied pretty well off the extreme lows that we saw earlier this year. And uh, I think it's fair to say if you're a long-term investor, we've seen we're, we're putting in the lows for all. I think that's reasonable. Well, the uh, concomitant question to that is what could be the highs? Where could we go from here? Well, I view oil as a boom and bust business. So my view is that over time we'll, we'll actually run out of available supply growth, uh, given the scale of uh, spending cuts that we've seen here and given the issues that the, the major government companies are facing. And my view of where demand destruction is is actually back towards 80 or or $100 a barrel. I've, I've, I've come off the 100 a bit recently because things have been so weak, but demand destruction for me is back up towards you know over 350 a, a gallon at the U.S. pump, and I think you'll get there over the next three years. Really? Uh, that would be a, a shock to drivers. Does it happen uh, a couple of cents at a time, or do we see a spike somewhere? No, I think it happens a couple of cents at a time. There's a major overhang in terms of inventory. Um, you know, I think we're going to grind our way back there, and it it, uh, it really feels like there's so much available oil, as I say, particularly in inventory right now, that we're not going to suddenly spike back up. It could jump with an OPEC cut, which would obviously be a bit of a surprise to the market. Um especially given the Iranian news and the fact that the Iranians really don't get on at all with the Saudis. Uh, so I think the risk of a, of, a, of a jump is more related to OPEC cuts than, a, than the cycle working and, and demand uh, beginning to exceed supply in the way that it will this year. Well, that's uh, just very quickly in 30 seconds, if you could. Um, when you say demand destruction, how much do we go down? Well, the issue is that we're so aggressively cutting capital expenditure globally for oil supply, and then we have, a, unlike any other commodity, a commodity in oil that declines in supply naturally. The key question for us, whether how bearish we wanted to be with oil, was has demand reacted to low prices? Has demand got stronger because the price is low? The day that doesn't happen, that's the end of the oil age. But, in fact, in this cycle last year and this year again, especially looking at U.S. gasoline demand, there has been an aggressive demand response, and knowing that the supply side naturally corrects itself and will aggressively uh, increase its correction as, as spending cuts roll through, we're convinced that you're going back to high prices over the next three years. Well, let's come back with Paul Sankey, Senior Oil and Gas Analyst at uh, Wolf Research. Looking at uh, prices right now, uh, gasoline retails for 194 a gallon. That's up from 171 about a, a week or so ago, but still far from the $3 he's talking about. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Flushing Bank. Open a complete business checking account with $15,000 or more and get a free 16-gig Wi-Fi tablet. Visit FlushingBank.com for details. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender.